my lived experience within the dense matrix and systemic programming awakening through the role of parent caregiver of loved ones affected by tuberous sclerosis complex, observing and integrating traumas and the limiting beliefs they spawn that keep us from knowing our own truth, who we are as divine beings. Through the portal of podcasting, interviews, monologues, discussions, and workshops, I share topics and tools that I found relevant and worthwhile to those living with or caregiving for individuals through the extremes chronic illness created by a disjointed, disconnected societal and individual understanding of ourselves as whole in mind, body, spirit. My upcoming guest is Lisa Smith, and let me tell you, turn it up. Lisa is an incredible advocate. She's a parent of a disabled child, young man, who has nonverbal autism, as well as being a foster mom, having fostered 27 children, adopted children. She's just amazing fed my soul. So I'm not going to talk anymore about her. The interview is rather long. I'm keeping it all as one. So dig in. Love ya. Well, hello, this is Jill from TSC Talks. I am here with Lisa Smith. She is a power advocate, lives in Taunton and has advocated throughout her whole life for her son, Nick, who is now 22. Mm-hmm. 22. And I'm just, we were doing some pre-gaming and sitting here listening to some of her story. And I'm going to let her speak instead of introducing her anymore and just killing it. So, <laughs> so Lisa, Lisa, we, we connected through a mutual friend of ours, another awesome superstar mom, Tanya, giving a yes. shout out to you, who's inspired and just supported me unbelievably. My God, my heart goes out to her. So anyways, but she connected me with Lisa, going through some similar, been through some similar things, thought we might connect, and we connected on Facebook, and here she is. So I'm so grateful, Lisa, to have you here. And, Thank uh, you so much. And it's, you know, the Christian, the Christianity in me will always say people like us are evenly yoked. And, and what that means in the Bible is that we just could sit in a room and just nod, because we understand <laughs> each other. Yeah, exactly. And, and the intensity of our texting, basically, there was a lot of defined similarities. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because as, when you have gone through this road, your children are older, you know, not that you don't listen to people, but when you hear, when you hear words that have the same continuity of your walk, you pay attention right? Yes. And we were texting intensively and you were very, you know, clear and precise, you know, why did you contact me and who and why? And, and then as soon as we connected, it was like, oh my goodness, we have to connect because we are going to do, we're going to do something great together. And I I actually reached out to Tanya. I, I thanked her for this, you know, union that we, we started. Yep. She told me about you. And I'm so, I'm so glad about, uh, you know, and I, I did some research, you know, on, on, you know, your talk and what you're all about. And I, I educated myself, you know, in that. And, you know, I was Thank really you. excited. It was really excited to, to know, you know, parents and, and, you know, it, with COVID, we're all so disconnected. Yeah. We're connected, but disconnected in a sense. It's weird. Yeah. It's kind it of like, it's weird. just not quite right. It's not quite right. And, you know, I have really been working, you know, hard on trying to get the unions back and this continuity of, you know, we all need 
that level of, you know, feeling connected. Yes. And that's one of the things that I feel that has happened. We have this disconnect and we're, we're, we're afraid to express ourselves and how we're feeling, you know, so because true. of all the perceptions and, you know, when everybody seems so preoccupied and you know what, I know you were the same. I say to people all the time, I've been in isolation for 20 years with my son. Pretty so much. COVID is no different than, exactly. than having a child like mine, right? I know. And I was like, what, what's new? <laughs> What's new? Actually, uh, it, it was has, a wake up call for everybody else. But I think we were pros. And, and you know, the funny thing is, oh, my goodness, we can do a telehealth call instead of going to Children's Hospital and waste a whole day. Right. You know? That was a, that was a eat. silver lining. Isn't it great? Like, oh, oh yeah, do a two, two minute call. The medications are all the same. No seizures. Like, let's do and like have a great day. And, and Nick can go go to school. I mean, it's great. Right, right, but, right. Yeah, totally. Again, th thank you so much for having You're welcome. me. And, and whatever I can do to help another person going through any type of situation, I'm always, you know, open to, to help. And, you know, I think in my prior lifetime, two years ago, before having Nicholas, I, I'm pretty sure I, I, I described myself as being like a, a, a horse in a race. You know, I had the blinders on, you know, and so I only saw what was in front of me and what was for me, my career, my education, my family, my house, my ceiling, what I wanted uh, for my life. Yeah. And then I was when the same. You, and then all of a sudden it opens up and you look all around you and, and people ask me all the time, like, oh, you seem to do a lot of volunteer work. Can you, you know, I said, oh, keep your, oh, open your eyes. It's all around us. Like, I think we're so focused on what we're doing. We don't look around to see what everyone else is doing. I really believe that our entire society has been programmed for years to be, you know, Absolutely. To continually okay. to be stepping away from us, our divine connection. And people seem surprised when you're at Walmart and you have a grocery and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I have to go pick up my kids. I'm running a little late, but I see this person like who has a few items in their hand, I don't feel right about making that person wait, you know? And then you open up a dialogue when that person, I said, go ahead, you can go in front of me. And the person will say, oh, thank you. It, it, it's just, it, it's courtesy. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not really a big deal, but little acts of kindness seem like such a big deal because everyone is so wrapped up in so true. themselves, you know? Themselves. Yep. So a, a little, a little history of me. Yes, please um, tell me. A, I, tell me. my first lifetime before I ever had a child with autism, I was a correctional officer Wow. Um, in the department of correction in Bridgewater. Holy mackerel. I, after six years of being a correctional officer in a male facility, I became a caseworker. I basically uh, hated my job. However, I did like the social aspect of it. Sure. I just didn't like the negativity of, you know, working in a prison. But I have to say now, looking back, it was all part of the plan. You know? I was just thinking that, like, how, yeah, how much more perfect it, could that be? It, it's, it's the Nicholas was diagnosed at a very early age. I I think he was 20 months old. It was very obvious that he had a disability. My opinion, which of course um, is just in my opinion, I feel that it was definitely, I saw a change in his development after a few of the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. 
he definitely had adverse reactions, the slap cheek look, you know, rashes. He had his first seizure, I believe, when he um, came home from having a vaccination. And yeah, I, I didn't track that it. That- Back then. Yeah, I didn't know that I didn't had no clue that that, that might and, be and something that would happen. And, and the interesting thing is when you think about it, you know, and a lot of people forget this when they go to the pediatrician, we sign off on that vaccination. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. this vaccination may cause neurological disorder, but the pros outweigh the cons, right? So we're told. Um, so we, we, you know, we inoculate our children to protect them. And then we realize that some kids, it makes me, when I think about it, you know, just to get off the, the subject I know, just, just for one second, <laughs> I think about, I'll go back, but I think about vaccinations when we think about how our society, we just, we're almost like programmed oh, yeah. to do this. If you don't get your child, you know, vaccinated, you can't go to preschool, which is not true, you know, but anyway, we vaccinated him. We started seeing a decline. I decided to open up a daycare so I could stay home. The appointments. I did that too. Really early, early intervention at my house, ABA, if if all those who don't know what ABA is applied behavior analysis, it's just a one-to-one. They do lots of rope one-to-one in isolation to teach our kids just about everything. And we did that and I believe it, it, it was helpful, but it was very intrusive as well. We had read all the books about the, the subset group that had it and some that didn't. And having a child, you know, it, you know, 20 years ago, things are so different now. There's more, there's more data. There's more, right. there's more, you know, there's just more autism, I believe, as a, as a whole today. So it was helpful, however, very intrusive, and it did cause prompt dependency, I feel. So Nicholas asked permission for everything because he was sitting at a, he had in a chair hours of ABA a week. Sitting so in a chair. Yeah, that, my daughter chair, had that. And, and, he, and he, I'm not even sure if it was, it, it did help him, but yeah, I'd agree. Tell, it's hard yeah. to tell what but as a parent, you'd try anything. Oh, yeah. Know? So we we did that and we had a daycare. And I, I used to tell people I worked in a prison and a daycare. Prison is <laughs> easier. <laughs> it was difficult. It was really difficult with having other children who were developing normally. And here's my son, you know, you know, sitting in the corner playing with a, a piece of string. Oh, my God. I just got full and, body chills on that because I right? remember. And, yes, it, it's like hard to shelve that jealousy and those feelings that you have, but you've got, but yeah. And, and then of course, when people start to realize that your child has a diagnosis and does have this, now they don't want to tell you the things that their child are having deficits with, you know, and like, oh, you know, Liam will never, ever be potty trained or he'll probably wear pull-ups to the prom. And I remember thinking, but not saying it out loud, but at least he's going to the prom. You know, so I did have a little bit of this silent um, aggression. However, I've never been a, a, a jealous or really an envious person. That's good. Um, in my life, it's just kind I of haven't. like, I've never, I've never um, felt that it's not an emotion that I, I have, but so I did daycare for quite some time. And then, you know, once it got the time where Nick was able to go to school, I decided to kind of go back in the workforce. I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I'd like to go out and be a human being, (laughs) you know, instead of wearing elastic pants and, you know, a baseball hat. Making like, making like bite-sized food all day long. And 
Yes. And eat the chicken nut. You're going to eat that. I was like, just going to say chicken nut. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want that. Give it to me. I'll eat the crust. <laughs> and I went into the workforce and I believe that, you know, one of the things that my son had taught me that continually, he continually teaches me. He made me so patient that I was such a great person to be around because I was just so happy to be away from him in that way. Cause I was, you know, I needed my break from him. Absolutely. And I, was so, I was so easy to, to, you know, to get along with because I didn't have, you know, all this, like, you know, this tightness in You'd my work chest. through it all. Yeah. And I would sit there and I'm like, whatever you want to do, you want to go to Papa Gino's for lunch. That's so they all would say, you're so easy to get along with. And, and, and I would say, really? Cause you know, I have a strong personality. I said, but you know what? Those things are just very, so it almost creates this, like you're very easy to get along with. And, you know, it's just, you know, what? I'm just so happy to be out in the real world. Mm -hmm. And you, you, most people take that time for granted. You know, where I, know. I remember going to my first pedicure and the woman says, I don't think I've ever had anyone in this chair who, who appreciated this so much. Seriously, <laughs> I, I didn't get a pedicure till I was like 40 something. Exactly. You know, and then the, the, you know, all the adjectives that I used in that chair to describe how much I appreciated her, that it was not so much the pedicure. It was just the attention that I was yeah. getting because you, you know, you focus so much on your child that you kind of lose your identity of, of yourself. So true. You know, so, so I got back in the workforce and I started doing some work. I worked for the Department of Human Services part-time working with the police, with the Neighborhood Watch. And I also worked at the YMCA as a preservation worker. And I really loved my, I loved working. I've always loved to work. I just love the people. I am a Libra. I love people. Yeah. I love to, I, I need, I'm that person who needs, I don't need it, but then I love it. So I do, I guess I do need it because it's, it's something that creates this focus for me. I you hear know, you. Being around people I can do without, but I really do benefit from it. And I remember my, my first child, his parents never picked him up from foster from from you know this they had this these kids who were in they were like at risk for foster care mm -hmm. and the parents never picked them up <sighs> and here I was like you know oh I have room for him and they probably thought I was crazy like like what are you talking about and then the next day I, I went back to work again and I said to the, the the DCF worker I said you know where where is B and he said, oh, he went to Norton and, you know, he had to leave school and his parents, this and that. And I said, so the child has to change schools and after school program. And I said, I, I, I offered my assistance, you know, if you needed help. And he looked at me and he goes, are you serious? And I said, yes, I'm serious. And he said, are you a foster parent? And I said, no. And he says, well, you did have, you know, a relationship with him, you know, every day, you know, maybe we can follow the kinship law. And we can get, get him placed with you. So of course I never wow. even asked my husband permission, <laughs> you know, and it was kind of like my heart pulling on this child. You couldn't turn away. I couldn't turn away. And it was part of, it was really part of, you know, your the, path, the building blocks in my, my road. And I remember this conversation happened on a Monday or a Tuesday and on a Thursday, you know, I was bringing him home, um, wow. not knowing nothing about him, you know, any of his habitual habits or his, 
his schooling. And so he was my first introduction to, you know, fostering. And, you know, I have since uh, fostered 27. Holy um, mackerel. 27 children. And fun fact, I say this all the time, when you think about the foster care system, you know, I would say, send me any child, except, you know, one of the, the two, those two things I just preferred not to have were children who were fire starters oh, and gosh. children who ran away, not have any other, you know, some people don't want kids with seizures, with autism, with behaviors, with babies, with this girls, whatever. And I never had like, you know, specific preferences. preferences. I said, give me all the kids that nobody else wants. And, and by asking for that, I got really significant behavioral children. However, nothing like the deficits that my child had. So, you know, oh, wow. just, yes. as we spoke off, off, you know, off the uh, camera, they could shower independently. Right. And they could speak. So, so it was me, like almost easier. That was, or a it was. in the park. Like they can yeah. express themselves. My son is nonverbal. He can't express himself. So, to, you know, it was, you look at that and to a person who's never experienced a child, you know, like our sons or our children, you know, you know they my think son's not nonverbal. He's not. So no, I've never you know, had that. So when you think about a child who you have to figure out everything he says or everything he thinks, you know, we just can't make, we can't make a connection of what he's saying. And then here's children who, you know, they, I don't like the purple popsicles and I want this. And I was like, this is a picnic in the park. Right. So what when, perspective? You, think about, when you think about that, so I, I had many foster kids. I never thought of adoption. That was not my thing at that, at that point in my life. And then I believe my last child was a runner and she ran away and she ended up taking a bus. She met someone on, this is, I'm, I'm aging myself out here on MySpace. Remember oh, the yeah. social media platform, <laughs> MySpace? So she met an older man and who portrayed himself to be a younger man. And he showed up at our house one day while I was, you know, bike riding with her and she left with him and she, wow. she lived, we lived in Texas and, you know, the officials were involved and whatnot. And it was really stressful. And I said, that's it. I am done. And I was probably already at the crossroad where I was sort of like done. Yeah. And then I took a break and my oldest daughter was a school teacher and she decided that she wanted to be a foster mom. And I said wow. to her, I said, well, it's, it's really difficult. She goes, well, mom, like I dealt with foster kids my whole childhood. I'm sure it can't be that hard. And a child was placed with her. She was seven years old. And my daughter says, mom, I'm going to save her. A lot of people get into it for that, for that, like, you know, being needing that kind of experience and then it not maybe. Well, you know, what's funny that you say that I'm so glad that you said that, you know, and you're very sharp. You can tell when people have comments like that. I think initially I feel that people have that. They almost, it's almost like. And there's nothing wrong with that. that. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Initially, it starts out that way. Yeah. Right. And then they think they're going to set up this room with this 
beautiful new wallpaper and the paint and the, you know, and then you realize there's a lot more to it than that. And I think my daughter got herself into that. And, and at that time we, you know, she got this child who was seven, who didn't know the days of the week, who did not know how to read. And oh wow, that's I, my a lot. daughter was a first grade teacher and she was, you know, boot camp city with this little girl. And, you know, and she goes, mom, this is hard. Like I just got accepted to Boston university and she's, you know, wetting the bed and she, she has hair lice and, and this and that. And I said, Hey, this is all part of it. You know, I said, keep focused on, you know, on the reason why you're doing it. So this child, my daughter did accept the, you know, to go to Boston university for her social work degree. And I started helping out with, with this child mm -hmm. and I was grandma you know, which I was like, yay, I'm a grandma. <laughs> and I spoiled her, you know, whatever she wanted, whatever she wanted to do. And then when, when the child became eligible for adoption, my daughter was, you know, straight, I'm going to do this mom. I'm going to be her mom. And I don't care if I don't have a husband, I'm going to, you know, and I think when it started getting real, my daughter got really nervous. You know, mm -hmm. she says, mom, like, I'm like in my thirties, like, you know, I wonder if she would be better with you. So I said, are you kidding me? Like, I have like a son who is just diagnosed with epilepsy. who's falling all over the place. And, you know, how can I take care of another That's a lot. Being? Like I'm exhausted. A lot more. Right now. <laughs> and she, um, you know, so she decided that she didn't want to adopt Jada and my parents who live in Florida. They, my mother called me and she says, we're moving back to Massachusetts. We're going to adopt her and she's going to be our daughter. And I said, mom, you're in your seventies. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and so they kind of put me in this predicament wow. where, you know, it was a very difficult situation. And I said, what do I got to lose? I, I prayed about it, you know, so I decided to take that initiative and go forward with adopting Jada. So we adopted, you know, I adopted Jada, single mom. You know, it's funny when I wrote all the paperwork, it said, you know, mother and father or mother and participant too on the dotted line. I put G-O-D, you know, they, they, <laughs> they laughed, you know, and, you know, so I adopted Jada and it, it was a, a great experience. However, there was a lot to it. Another person in the house, you know, but it was also a nice diversion. You know, mm -hmm. to have like, you know, Nicholas didn't have any younger siblings. I feel yeah, like how did that go? Younger siblings, he would have had probably more language and more social skills, I feel. So we had, you know, adopted Jada and, you know, God just opened up the doors for, for me to start foster care again. And I remember sitting in this room, which is now a spare room. And I remember sitting in, in here watching the movie Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I it's a really good movie. Well, at the end of the movie, they show this website with the Massachusetts Adoption Resource Exchange, the MARE program. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And it's all kids who are free for adoption. So Jada and I were watching this movie and she said, mom. Like, I wonder if my cousins are on that, you know, mayor website. Oh, wow. So her, she lived with, they have many siblings, many cousins, and it was a lot. But she found her twin cousins on the Massachusetts Adoption Resource. Oh, my exchange. goodness. 
And she came in my room with the laptop and she's like, like, as if it was like something from, you know, Amazon, can we get them too? You know, when I said, you know, Jada, like, that's a lot like twin boys. Like I I said, you know, we're having a hard time, like just making ends meet now. And, you know, to bring, you know, young boys, 10 or nine at the time, the twins, And she goes, well, I promise, like, I will, like, you won't have to buy me anything. And I said, no, 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 this is not about that. It's like the time, you know, it's it's the the energy, the energy. And so I said to her, I promised her that next morning I would inquire. And I Mm -hmm. did. And it was a very slow process. And we um, found out that they, when I found out that they were separated, I think that was like really the hardest thing for me. I said, how can they separate twins? Yeah, like that's, that's against the law to me. You just know? goes against, you know, yeah. and we found out that these boys had been long-term residential. They didn't have a lot of relationships with each other. And my heart just broke. Oh and, my gosh. Yeah. You know, I remember going down to the DCF office to read their profile and, you know, I read two paragraphs. That's all I needed to read. I said, you know what? I don't need to meet them. I took a huge leap, blind faith. And I said, you know what? I said, I I want, well, she says, which one? And I said, oh, no, no, no. This is not just which I want both. And she goes, oh, no, the department doesn't want to, you know, they've had 17 placements in the foster care system, two failed adoptions. They can't be together. So I said, listen, I worked in a prison. Listen, you don't know me. (laughs) You don't know me. I have a child with autism, epilepsy. I said, I can do, you know, and she said, you know, I'll have to ask my supervisor and we'll have to, you know, get you, you know, set up with the intense foster care system. And you have to go through this training and, you know, get approved because they're, they're in the, you know, the IFS, which is the intense foster. Okay. So I went, went through that foster care training classes and it took me a year to get them and of course when was that the first week of covid (laughs) really god does have a sense of humor doesn't he (laughs) for sure for sure so we had homeschooling behaviors bureaus getting tossed down the stairs you know, they didn't want to shower, you know, nail polishes down the toilet, plumbing. I mean, you name it. Yeah. And still, you know, two years later, they're still giving me, you know, they still challenge me. I'm sure. However, you know, when you start to see, and this is the glory and the grace of doing, of, of being led in this direction, you know, when we have kids with, And I'm not going to say that my boys do not have significant needs. I mean, they could probably break into your IP address, but they don't know their left from their right. And they don't know how to tie this. So they, all these skills, these splinters all over the place. They have had so much movement that, so think about doing algebra, never knowing how to do fractions or multiplication or subtraction. you know, so they have their, their trauma and their, you know, when you think about trauma and you think about, you know, we've all had relationship where you were either ghosted or you were just disregarded and you were felt worthless, you know, think about your parents doing that to you, you know, and how can you trust another human being? You don't even know. Right. You know, and, and absolutely. How, and when you think about them, you know, and I look at this and I think you don't know who you have no choice 
that's like like me saying I found a, a, a husband for you in you know a foreign country that you're going to go move in with yeah it you takes know, away their any no autonomy nothing I know they're going why wouldn't they have anxiety right duh so, you know I so so the boys you know came to me and you know, the goal has been adoption for them as well. And I'm 54. And, you know, who would have thought that a lot of my friends are doing 14 day cruises on cruise ships, and I can't even get to the grocery store, you know, but I have to say that when you think about grace, and you see our children who have developmental disabilities, who, you know, snails pace, you know, it took my son like eight years to play peekaboo with me. The developmental team and the neurologist stopped asking me, does he initiate peekaboo? You know, and then finally he did it. And I, I reported it and it was like, it already missed that time that time where they were just like, oh no, it's not we really. We stopped that asking important. about no, that. Like, and, you know, and I said, well, he's doing it, you know, which is, you know, I want to like promote that. Like this is, I've waited for this for, you know, for many, many years he's doing it. And now it's not a big deal, you know, cause admit that missed that threshold, but you know, here I have, I have a house full, you know, and you know, I have, we don't have a living room anymore because, you know, Nick needed to be downstairs because mm -hmm. he has, you know, seizures. So, you know, so we made it work. And, you know, I have a house full of kids and we found out just recently they have another brother who's in a residential wow. placement. And, you know, I'm starting very slowly introducing him to the family and having visits with him. And he's nine. They say he has a, a low IQ. But then again, one of my children was in a behavior classroom and has extremely high IQ and was considered to be gifted and talented. So, you know, when we're not feeling good about ourselves, why would we want to try on a test? Right. right? So we have no motivation. Absolutely. We have no, you know, so people will often say like, you know, are you crazy girl? Like you're 54 years old. Like, you know, I met someone, you know, when I went to go visit my parents once and she was in perfect, perfect like, I, I couldn't believe it, a 70-year-old woman wearing a bikini. And I wow. said, oh, she probably had, like, one of those, like, really prestige lives. And, you know, of course, I had my own, you know, judgment and perception on this woman. And I was very, you know, I wanted to it's hear her story. I wanted to hear her story. And right, I said, right. I can't believe that you are 70 or in your 70s and you look this good. And I mm -hmm. said, you must have had an amazing life of athletic. And she said... I was a caregiver for a severely fr medically fragile child. And, you know, I didn't ask where the child was, but I was under the impression that the child had passed. And she said, I get to live my life, you know, again, even though I'm very sad with the loss, I was overweight my whole life, you know? Right. And so she got her time, time she got to her time take care of herself. And we, we chatted and I thought to myself, wow, like that is so profound. You know, we automatically think that she's had this life and privileged she, life and she was selflessly giving everything to her child. And, you know, so I think about her a lot and I think, you know, selflessly, I give everything to my children and often as caregivers, we're very tired and people will always talk about boundaries, boundaries. Well, when you live in a world where there's such need and demand, 
it's really hard to have boundaries. Tell and me. you know what? When you have children who have these great needs, you learn to just, just keep moving. And I'm pretty sure I have some forms of fibromyalgia and, and I'm kind of a med-free kind of person. And I think the best thing is keep moving, keep Absolutely. occupying your mind, keep moving, keep pushing yourself. And, you know, you your know, and, and here I have these children and, you know, the people who gave me these children, they say, you are a miracle worker. And these children are like completely different. My kids are now in a Christian school. They still fight and argue and they give me headaches all the time. But <laughs> at the same time, they're, they're fighting over Bible verses now and they're fighting over the front seat and they're not fighting themselves. That's so beautiful. And it, honestly, I got tears like, in my eyes. You know, you know, one of the things I've learned and we discipline our children in foster care all completely wrong because these children here do not need discipline okay they don't even know what discipline is my kids are 12 they still need a schedule to remind us to brush their teeth so their their executive functioning is the ptsd and the ocd has literally consumed them not to mention all the other deficits they have but when they were in this violent tendency where they blacked out and they used this, this time to just, they were just having this whirlwind of anger. I met them right where they were at. Whether they were swinging at me, biting at me, calling me every name. As a matter of fact, I remember a funny story. My mother said, are they calling you mommy yet? I said, oh, they're calling me some things, but not mommy <laughs> yet. <laughs> and I remember one of my children yeah. was banging his head and he was swearing, calling me all these truck driver, really, like, really profound, violent. I mean, I worked in a prison and didn't ever have anyone call me those, those profound swears. And, you know, instead of taking it personal, I was right on the floor and I was banging my head there. And I said, I, I literally, Oh said, my gosh, you did that. I, I never so thought of angry. that. I am so angry too. And I am so sorry that you have all this pain. I said, it hit me with your pain. I'm pretty tough. And they looked at me and, and initially, you know, and they, they grabbed my neck and they were just oh like you know, hitting me. And then it went from aggression to this beautiful, like deep hug. And I, I, I was trying to be the strong person. I'm not a strong person when it comes to emotion and I'm crying and they're crying. And I think that's when the trust, just the tip of the iceberg, you know? And I said, you know what? I know a lot of people made you a lot of promises. I said, you know what? And who am I? I'm just a person with brown hair and blue eyes who wants to help you. But you know what? You don't know that. You don't know anything right. about me, right? So it's amazing when you start to see the trust. Yeah, okay? yeah. And that level of, I think we're going to stay here for a little while, right? They see that in them. You can see it in there body language 
they're, they were, my kids had such neck head, headaches all the time because they were holding all their stress yeah, in their that. bodies and they had low tone and they had these pains. And, you know, we began to, you know, use these, you know, these decompressed muscle, you know, and, and just hand on hand and physical touch. My kids never got nurturing. They never got physical touch. You know, when you think about, I don't know if you've seen the book, The Love Languages by Gary Chapman. You know, we all have, we have, you know, we all have different ways right. of receiving love and giving, giving love, it. right? Some people, the, the best thing you can give me or the best, you know, what makes me happy is when I see people who are, who are people who give away their gifts, who give away their free time, who give away everything just for the sake of just helping another human being. You don't have to buy me a thing. You don't totally. have to tell me I look nice. You don't even have to say I'm pretty. Just tell me that you are a person who tries to care for other people and you just maybe validate me once in a while. That's that's all I need. Yeah. But you have to figure out not everybody loves that way. That's true. So, so you have to look at everyone's love language and some people need physical touch. Some people need words of affirmation. Some people need gifts. My, my oldest right. daughter, you, you just buy her a gift. She's happy. Oh, you <laughs> yeah, I got one like that. Presents. Yeah. Presents. Um, presents and presents. And to me, be present, you know, and, you know, people always say, you know, things like, oh, if I ever won the lottery, I would do that. And I always tell people all the time, I won the lottery five times. Oh, God my gosh. Five children. And, and, and people say, oh, they're so lucky to have you. But really, it's so profound because how do I know they're not going to take care of my, my disabled son someday? Right. How do I know they're not there to help me when I become disabled someday? We do not know. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, and, and we don't do it for those selfish reasons. We don't do anything to get things, you know, and, if, you know, we do things because that's who we are. And that's our heart. And we follow that, you know, so here I am, you know, I am balancing many different hats. I, wow. I just started working at their school to try to help, you know, with the tuition. I told them I'm not too proud. I will clean bathrooms, correct work, work in the yard. You know, I will do anything. And we have done, we go there on the weekends. We pick up sticks, we rake, we paint, we clean just to, you know, because the tuition is just, you know, very oh, I can only imagine. You know? And we're a family, you know, and, you know, it's not the perfect family. There is no you know, perfect family. There's no perfect family. And, you know, and we've I, been I, taught to think there is, you know, we, we have. And, you know, I'm not sure if you've watched this series. Or, well, it's not really a series on Netflix called Minimalist. No, you've given me like a couple things to watch. Well, I'll tell you. I'm writing it you down. You have to watch it. I, I recommend everyone to watch it. It has legit changed my life. Really? I feel like I am a, a person who likes to save things. I'm not sloppy by any means. I'm probably what you would have called a organized hoarder. Going down <laughs> to my basement, I had every card. That's my mom's that every way. Every drawing and every picture of a, a, that people have given me throughout the years. Christmas wow. cards. Um, if I went to a baseball game, 
So I did scrapbooking on my walls and I had all types of signs of encouragement on my walls. And, you know, and I feel that watching the show, I had to learn how to retrain my brain to focus on less things. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like why do we away for me. why do we need 25 pairs of jeans? No. Aside we from the fact if we are someone who goes up and down in sizes, I'm pretty much I stay the same. But we only can wear one thing at a time. We totally. only can wear we can only carry one pocketbook at a time. Why do we have so much? If you look at are, that's like you go in a store like I can I was just gonna add I just I sometimes get really overwhelmed and stressed out because I feel like there's this like I'm lacking when I'm really not you know like oh because I've really downsized I've let go of a lot of things I don't I don't care I don't have I don't care about things but there were periods in my in my life where I did and it's kind of it, it's really great to look back and see that that growth the but, growth um, but yeah, just going out in, in like, in, I don't want to say the public, but in our consumer society, it's just, and it's just overwhelming to me sometimes just this feeling that I get like, oh, I'm lacking. I, I should be buying these things. I, I should have this, or they should have that. And then I have to pull back and really think like, do we really need that? Is my life going to change if they don't have like what six pairs everyone of else has. everyone else has, you know, no. I have to well, really per- like sometimes well, a, perfect, a perfect example of that. Ask five people why we put up a Christmas tree. <laughs> I can't stand it. No, nobody knows why. Right. We I know we just, because we just do it. Does. There's so much there that is, we just do. There is a pagan belief that it was, it was the solstice and the, the right. it was started out as swags and they put the, you know, the flowers, the birds, poinsettias, that's where they came from and the fruit to, to remind us of the spring. But when you think about all the things that we do and all the things that we think our children should have and all the things that we feel like we should have. So in my home, we unplugged from everything. We have no TV, uh, we have no video games and we have no social media. We have no outside connection Wow. anything. Good Can I you. tell you? Can I just tell you, well, my kids are very, they have attention deficit, so they're very distracted and they were so rushing through everything to get what they wanted. And we do need reinforcement and we do need blackmail, right? As parents, however, they were missing it and it was creating this anxiety. And I thought to myself, I am going to try this and I'm going to see what it will change. If we just do a trial period of nothing to distract us, can I tell you, my kids seem calmer. My kids do three hours of homework every night. We have learned to cook as a family. We've learned to have teamwork. We've learned that why should I have to do everything? Right. I'm exactly. We live in this house. Everyone should be doing laundry. Everyone should be learning how to vacuum. You can learn how to set up the grill. You can learn how to set a table. You can clean. Mm -hmm. You can. And I say to them, my job as your mom is to teach you how to take care of yourself 
That's, yep. the, that's yep. what my job is. My yep. number one job is to teach you how to take care of yourself. So when you're an adult, you can know how to write a letter. You can know how to mail a letter where you, my kids have so many deficits. They never knew how to like, they didn't even know. So it was so funny when I asked my kids to put a letter in the mailbox, they were so confused. Yeah. I, I said, believe it. They, they, they didn't know why I put the flag up. You know, when I said the flag means that there's mail. So when the mailman sees it, he knows that there's mail and he picks it up and he's going to, you know, so we we've missed oh, all yeah. these, like, you know, Details. The old saying, you can see the writing on the wall. They have no idea what that means. And, and when my kids went to school in the public school, one of the teachers said, we know what we have to teach, which is pretty sad. See what we're doing. When you're, when you're receiving something or you're agreeing with me, I can tell by the way your body is moving and your expression that you're receiving that, whether it's something you can relate to or something that you disagree with, right? Right. So our kids don't know that language, <sighs> the yeah. nonverbal. Energetics. about texting. There's, they're like, they got that social work face up. And the masks don't help either. You know, we, we have to look at the eyes. Like I actually say sometimes underneath this mask, I'm smiling at you, you know? Oh, that's good. Because yeah. We don't smile anymore because you can't see it. And I've heard people so, say, I don't like, I like how, and this is kind of sad. I like wearing the mask because no one can see my face. What the, what has happened? You know, I walk around and I'm going to, I don't want to rant here, but it just makes me sad every time I go out in public and I see to me, it looks like a sign of submission and it's just, it's just wrong. Be it, available, be yeah. available. And you know what I also learned? If you focus, and I was there once, I was so focused on my son's disability. I didn't see his ability. His ability. And I'll tell you a story. There. One time, one time we were walking into a restaurant and I think it was Chicago Uno or something. And the doors, the Sally port there, that sometimes, you know, when they have the vents, it's hard to open the door. Well, there were these two teenagers on their phone texting. And there was this woman in a wheelchair and she was unable to open the door because of the vents. And she didn't have that upper body strength because she was in a wheelchair. And the boys were just laughing and they just, the door just shut behind her. And here was my son who opened the door for her. And I reminded her that my son has this disability and cognitively is that like a two-year-old and he's been paying attention watching me. And I never focused on what he was doing. I was just focused on what he wasn't doing yeah. and how I wanted him to fit in when he was born to stand out and teach others. And him being included in a regular setting wasn't to benefit him it was to benefit, to benefit others and I say that all Don't the time that. Nick drives my my foster kids and my adopted kids crazy I always tell them we all do things that that we're we're toxic to each other we are oh, yeah. all going to bother each other Nicholas can't help it just like a baby can't help crying when they have needs and I'm sure that you do things. You're actually in Nick's old room. I'm sure he probably misses that room. So when you think about it, like putting it in the context, on, we, we focus on, and that's where 
I believe the really deficit is, you know, in having a child with a disability, you know, where we're so focused on trying to get all the services, we forget the humanity. Oh, so true. And what we need. How yes. many times have you seen on Facebook someone crying out who really needs help? And somebody will put the prayer hands and say, I'm praying for you. Oh, every day. Okay. Yeah. Just try. I say this to people. Just say, how can I help you? What do you need? Sometimes it's just reaching out on messenger and saying, what can I do for you? Sometimes it's just listening. Sometimes it's just sharing your story. Sometimes it's just validation. Don't get so busy that we forget that we were put on this world to serve others. And, and And to be like, when you think about it, you know, and yes, I've been close to death in my life. And maybe that's how I became so. To I really wanted to ask you about your faith, because that seems. So, my faith, you know, it, it's so crazy. And I'm going to share this with you. You know, I was, I was hospitalized for a malpractice injury. Gosh. The doctor did a botched surgery on me. They sent me home to die. I woke up completely rigor mortis from my, from my neck down. And I begged my daughter, my oldest daughter to call 911. And she said, mom, it's just anxiety. Go back to bed. I could barely speak. They did a trach right in my bedroom. You know, when the 911, I was dying. And I remember you're going to laugh. Cause I remember just thinking this can't be that serious. Uh, I told the, the, the person who was cutting my throat, Hey, how long is this going to take? My son has an OT evaluation. Oh in the morning. Like I can't, I'm the only person here. Like, what are you talking about? I need to go in an ambulance. I said, I don't, you know, so I, I became very ill and, mm-hmm. you know, went to the emergency room. I asked for a second opinion. They said, there's no time for that. You will die. You are dying. And, and I thought to myself at that point, I'm dying. Like, Mm -hmm. and I didn't think of who's going to take care of my son. I thought, did I do enough to get to heaven? That was my first thought. And I grew up Catholic. We went to the church, more Mm -hmm. of an obligation faith, right? Put the envelope in that basket. So they know we're here. However, I never really learned to have a relationship. Relation, I was just going to say, yeah. So I, after that crazy incident, I died twice. Did you, um, did had, you have an out-of-body, any, yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's something to be said about vibrational things. And there's also a lot of, you know, in the secular world, they'll say that that's because of the medication. It makes you hallucinate, makes you dream. It makes you, but I did have a crossroads where I believe that God was taking me. The light was so bright. I could not, I mean, I could see the mountain. I saw the light at one point. I could see the water. I could see Satan. I could see Satan coming. And I believe, you know, Satan didn't really have too much say in, in, in my life because I was running with him. You know, I was big, big and bad enough to do all the things that I was doing and not saying that I was a bad person. Cause I don't really, I, I, no, felt it's like not. I, I, but it's I was experiential. Not, I was, I was not praising the right. Yes. Person. I've been there. 
and I did see the light and that was God's first words, you know, let there be light. And I saw the light and I remember I wasn't afraid to die, but I did feel that I still did not do everything that I wanted to do. And I felt that pull. You, you wanted to be um, here. And when I, I was, you know, in a hospital setting for a very, very long time. And I remember, you know, I had 17 surgeries under my belt. I had lost my vision, my vision for real. I'm wearing contacts right now and I have a, a very rare eye um, condition. You wouldn't know it, but I remember the retinologist saying to me, you know, you're less than 2% of the population due to your significant malnutrition and your septus, you will soon be blind. Oh my um, gosh. I remember seeing the doctor and saying, I'm pretty sure I lived most of my life spiritually blind. Right. Mm -hmm. I said, maybe this is my wake up call to appreciate. I remember leaving that, that, you know, appointment and, and mind you, there was a man in that appointment with a bungee cord in his eye who he was shrink wrapping a boat. And I thought, oh no, you can see him. He's in worse shape than me. And the doctor said, no, no, you're much worse than him. And I actually saw my cheek for the first time. I had, I had a lot of experimental things done that, you know, did help save some of my vision. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving home with my, well, I wasn't driving. My dad was driving and I said, wow, dad, look how green the grass is. The sky is so blue. So that's what our disabled population see, overstimulation. Right. And I felt like this must be how Nick feels, you know? And I took advantage and took for granted all of this beautiful color, you know, in the world. So at that point, I believe that was my turning point into really getting serious with my faith. And, and I said, you know what? Instead of meeting friends out, you know, in a restaurant or a bar, on a Saturday night, I'm going to hit the Bible. Wow. And for the first time in my life, I became very, um, I wanted to read the book and I, I scrutinized it, you know, all the way. I wanted to know if he was real, because if he was real, why would he have, you know, you know, I, this I was a correction officer and a caseworker and I read official versions that why didn't God intervene and mm. help this young child? And, and I, I learned that, you know, he gave us, you know, will, you know, right. Free um, will. And, and we will never know why until the end, you know, and, and when we, we are in eternity. So when I think about my spiritual walk and my faith, um, my faith really saved me. Mm. And, you know, we don't have to go to church, be the church. Yes. Your test will be a testimony to help someone else. The day that mm. I left that eye doctor appointment, you know what I did? But it's kind of funny. I was a little nervous and scared and I opened up a couple of, you know, things about Braille and, you know, thought about uh -huh. maybe I should go be closer to transportation. You know, what if my retina breaks? You know, what if, you know, I came home and I showered my son with my eyes closed. Just to see and what I it would said, be like. I can shower my son independently. This was like this crazy little strategy that I had. <laughs> and, and it was my way of Accepting it. I can shower Nick. You accepted it. I'll be okay. And I thought to myself, if I, if God wants me to be blind, I've been blind before spiritually. Okay. 
Maybe he has designed this for me to help someone else. Okay. Absolutely. So when you think about people, you know, there's a, 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 a young man who has no arms and no legs. His name is Nick. And he now goes from school to college to teach people that you have these abilities. His parents, I believe, were gynecologists. And they brought perfect babies into the world. Wow. The one baby that they had had no arms and no legs. I'm... And he is a motivational speaker. He's married now and has a baby. So when you think about, I can't, there's no, I can't in anything. You just have to want it. You have to work harder. You have to, you know, it's so funny. Cause I used to say, you know, I'm not going to climb that mountain. I'm not going under that mountain. I'm not going to, I'm going to move that mountain. And, and when I began to read the Bible, I had learned that some of my actual walks in life were very biblical. Mm, I agree. I, I yeah, I can read. Yes. And I, I know you. you can relate because I feel like we have been very parallel in our walk. And I thought, wow, I can relate to that because I lived that without even knowing that there was a biblical you know, meaning now I can actually read, you know, like, for example, you know, you ever like in a situation where you're trying to give a parent with special needs children help and they don't want it or they're yeah. not listening or they're not taking it. And you wonder why I learned why I'm going to tell you why, because many people have promised them help and they got disappointed. So they got discouraged. Right. They don't what think, I learned yeah. that I had to be that much more adamant. And there is a Bible verse and, and don't quote me, but I think it's Luke where I am that person. There's a, you know, the story says, you know, God got the hundred, you know, the 99 sheep, but there was one on the hill. He went back for that one. Mm. Most people in life. I forgot that story. Just the 99, right? So God has designed me through my journey, not to forget the one. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate because to that. We were, you know, and my dad used to say all the time, it's lonely at the top. We thought that was fancy. Lonely at the top is being so high and knowing so much that not anyone is going to need to be there because they didn't experience it. They haven't experienced the level of pain. They haven't experienced. Wow. That, right. Right. So that one was you so you, you're now you're now living through the prophets and you are learning through your example and how you felt because you didn't have that mentor you didn't have that advocate you did it alone and then the grace of God made you aware that that was you once so in order to have empathy and compassion you've had to be there go through you have to, you've had to feel to grow that through. You've had to feel that level of pain and you think about it. You can't explain the depth of that pain to anyone. No, you can sit there and you can describe every adjective of what it was. You can show them a picture. You can show I sat in a hospital with my intestines outside my body for two weeks. Unbelievable. But you know what? That was less pain than the emotional pain that I felt. I bet. 
being completely alone in this life of raising a child where nobody knew what caused this diagnosis. And I would sit there and say, I wonder if it's my genetics. I wonder if it was something I did. I wonder if I should have mixed, if I shouldn't have mixed the Tylenol with the ibuprofen, you know, you go through, you know, maybe it was my breast milk. Maybe I have like toxins in me. Maybe I should have pulled out my, my metal fillings, you know? So yeah, I got mine too. we, We bit, we beat ourselves up and then you finally get to that place where you can embrace like everything that you've experienced and it's okay. It takes time Not to be okay. Yeah. And so true. You, you learn that. Wow. You know, one of the things that I say to myself, am I going to die from this? I've come <laughs> close to death and I'm okay with that because you know what? We can't control death and we, we shouldn't control, be afraid of it. And we can control the way we live, but we don't, we yeah. can control of how many things we have in our closet. That is too much. We can donate. We don't have to sell it on marketplace. Give that away. Give that blessing Give that to shit someone away. else. Right. Give that away to someone who needs it, you know? And, you know, I, I look back and I think I'm pretty happy that I went through. And I'm a person who struggles with happiness. I'm not going to lie. Because until every person is saved and until every homeless person has a home, how can you be happy when it's frigid cold? You know, I serve the homeless population on a Saturday morning. And then the afternoon, I see them carrying big timbers through the woods to stay warm. Wow. I've never experienced being cold that way. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, how can you be happy when the world is so upside down? I think when you are, yeah, right. It's holding space for that, that real, those realities and not turning away even, but you still, I, I still believe, you know, you, have to have have peace peace yeah it's it's, happiness is something that's like fleeting I mean well it's very fleeting fleeting and we're not responsible you know we all blow smoke up each other's ass don't we I mean (laughs) when you think about it when I see people who you know I'm very comfortable in myself like I can look good if I really try but I don't really care you You know what I'm saying (laughs) totally I I really throw it I used to care hey my kids say to me like you got muffin top, you know? And I said, that's okay. I'm embracing this time. Like I'm okay with it right now. I will probably Beautiful. lose some weight at some point, but right now I'm okay with it. So, you know, when you think about your being at peace, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you walk around singing a spoonful of sugar, helps somebody. you know, I'm not Mary Poppins, you know, I'm not like happy all the time. Right. Because I'm so worldly with, with, I have this connection with people and, you know, it's so funny because I always thought like, you know, people put up all these controversial things, you know, like, oh, look at me. I lost 20 pounds and look how good I look. I'm like, well, if you didn't like, you know, whatever they do to make those photographs look like enhanced, you know. I'm like, you're not, you're, you're not 65 and don't have wrinkles on your forehead. I'm sorry. Or like lying. I on think, your chest. right. I feel like, like be- we're more beautiful because of the, the wrinkles that I just have stopped looking at that, like superficial Me way, too. you know, like, you know, I what? see some young beauty. I'm like, that's boring. They've got no, it is, I could, you know what? I look at the wisdom. I look at the wisdom that I have and, and you compare that that is worth that, that is worth more than mm. anything, 
you know, if I could go back in time and know what I know now, but I, I know we can't do that. I know that our journey has been purposeful for something. Right. I know what you mean though, <laughs> you know, and, but you look at, you know, I'm at peace now with myself that, you know, I trust, I can feel it. I trust that, you know, just be who he designed you to be, find out what your gift is and, and just give that freely. Don't put a price tag on it. When somebody doesn't want help, it's because, you know, my kids came home and they do trivia on me all the time because they're in a Christian school and they say, what's the, what's the worst sin? So here I am thinking killing someone. And you know what the worst sin is? Pride. And we are loaded with pride. And we think oh, that we I cannot be humiliated and we cannot be vulnerable because it shows weakness. I have huge amounts of pride. Sometimes yeah. when you're weak and you show your weakness, it helps someone else identify their weakness. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. And you know, it's funny. I remember speaking at a school committee meeting for the first time, scared to death. And I remember like when I sat down, this was before COVID, obviously they're like, you did so amazing. I don't know who you are, but I want to be your friend. Do you know, I had no idea what I had said. I was so nervous. And I said, I got to get the recording because I don't know what I said. Oh girl, you are and, inspired. But, but, but think about this, right? So when I thought about it, I said, the next day I went to work, my phone wouldn't stop ringing. I had realized all the same people around those round table discussions and all those big wigs that I was associated with had the same kind of situation. And they, they thanked me for speaking up and speaking out. Yeah, that's out. happened to me recently, actually. And I said, like, how could you not do anything about it? Like, that's your child. If you don't be the eyes and ears for that child, no one else will. And, you know, but then I didn't beat him up too bad. I just said, you know what, w you know, voices together, you know, voices together make movement, you know, and it's never and you, too can late. All, you can have all these, you, you know, it's so funny when they have riots, it gets people's attention. They start talking about it, right? Yeah. People buy the newspaper when they're, when they hear about a shooting. They want to be prepared and they want to be informed. Yeah. Right. Very so, true. So it almost like, like having groups and having people all in the same category, unfortunately, parents like us, we're so busy. It's hard to get. Yeah, I don't. It's hard yeah. to do that. Right. We're all like surviving. We're all yes. in survival mode. Exactly. So we don't have that luxury. You know, we can't go to the state house and pick it, you know, and if we do, our kids are going to miss school and, you know, 10 other things are going to happen. Yeah, we need to bring our children out in the forefront. You know, first it was autism. I think it was autism awareness. Right. And then it was autism acceptance. Now it needs to be autism opportunity. Ooh, that's good. We need to have opportunity for our kids to work because they right. are going to be a vital part of society for a very long time. They're not going to sit in a rehab watching like people have yoga. Full body like, they're not, they need to, you know, my, I purposely go to church. We went to church last night. I mean, Saturday night, five o'clock. 
We, my son is six, four. I okay. saw the pictures. We sit right in the front row and Nicholas raises his hand right up to praise Jesus. Oh. And, and, and people, and I didn't even know Nicholas knew about the higher power. I neglected oh. to bring him to church. The he first time I intuitively. The first time he went to church, I thought he was raising for the ceiling fan. And I said to Nick, I said, oh, you like the ceiling fan, Nick? You know, because he was hand flapping and everything. And he goes, no, Jesus. Oh. So my son knows about a higher power that I never uh, was able to even. I was so wrapped up in distraction. We're blinders. We're layers and layers of it. And they just get this purity. Like my son, you say very same. He, he talks to Jesus. He prays. He sees apparitions. He's like, mm-hmm. he's tuned in on an energetic level in ways that I don't understand. And that we, we need in this society. And, and you know, I had a friend of mine who lost her son to um, a seizure in his sleep. And we went to go visit her. And we decided to do 21 year, 21 days of um, kindness, because that's how old he was. And we brought her a tree to plant. And there was a photograph of her family in the living room. Nicholas had never met the son. Mm-hmm. And there was a picture and he was probably five years old. And he kept pointing and tapping the glass to the boy. And it was very distracting to me because he's, he was, you know, I, I didn't want her to feel bad. Right. And I said, isn't he handsome, that little boy? And he was trying to tell us yeah. that there was, he felt his the energy. Oh, for sure. And, you know, on the way home, you know, we were talking And I said, did you see Mark in the picture or did you see Luke in the picture? And he said, heaven. He knew. So I like, you know, cried because, you know, so beautiful. Wow. He really has this. It's not a savant skill. He doesn't play the piano and he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't, you know, he can't know how many toothpicks we drop on the floor, but he feels the vibration of everyone's empathy and everyone's feeling just like, you know, uh, can you imagine? No, the intuitive, he must be, it must be, I feel that sometimes I I can go up to someone you know, some of the people that I've met and friends with to today, I've actually walked right up to them in a setting grocery store consignment shop and said, are you in trouble of some sort? Wow. You're empathic. And they say, oh my goodness. Like, how do you know? And we'll sit there and pray. And they're like, there's just, I'm like, no, no it's not that I am this like medium or this special kind of thing. I said, I just feel I feel that there's some loss and some feeling, and it's not always, thank goodness. I'm sure I could probably work harder to try to find ways of, but I don't, I don't want that challenge. I have enough. You have a lot. Maybe sometime in life, maybe that will be more, you know, more of a visual for me to do that. But right now I am grounded and steadfast Mm -hmm. in where I'm at. And, you know, every morning my prayer is the same. God just use me. Just use me to serve you, to help people 
who can't help themselves. You know, it's so easy to help someone when you're, you know, help someone when you're, when your life is falling apart, help someone because that might be your little bit of light in the darkness to help spark the joy to help yourself. Because honestly, I've actually done that. I've actually used that strategy in my life when I was so depressed and so anxious that I could no longer drive a vehicle Yeah, that I purposely made myself, you know, do one thing to help someone else, Mm. you know, and that's like a building block to, to, you know, to just help, to help you recover. So instead, you know, it's easy to give money and to give your time when you have a lot of it to give. But when you don't have time to even take care of yourself and you're giving yourself, you know, the gifts and and the blessings that you're getting and you're giving is just endless. And it just gives you such a good sense of purpose and self-worth. And, Mm. you know, you just feel so connected with the universe and you just feel so good about who you are. And, you know, and, and the whole time this was like underneath the ground you know, just the roots were there, but you know, now you're starting to see your tree is finally growing and, you know, water your tree, you know, prune your tree, you know, plant, you know, share your fruit, you know, plant the fruit seeds, you know, let's build a forest together. Like, why does it have to be so singular? Why can't we just do that in networks and just, you know, as, as, as tipsy topsy, as topsy turvy as the world is, you know, I tell my kids all this, all the time, you know, people say to me, you can't change the world, Lisa. And I said, no, you're correct, but I can change the world for one person at a time. So if we educate one person and help one person, that person's going to help another person. It's going to be a, just like, why do we have to stop? Like, and you know what? Sometimes the random act will stop but then that's when you got to start over again, right? Instead of that person stopping at the Dunkin' Donuts and not, you know, paying for the person behind them for whatever reason, like start it up again. It's not yeah. over. And it's the c- continuation. And it's always going to be that we're never going to be finished. We're never going to be. Yeah, content. I think that's a that's also a misconception. That we think that we're going to get we're going to get somewhere. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's funny, you know. I actually had this hamster trail on my kitchen table for a very long time, just waiting for my kids to ask me what it was. And I had bought this little pewter mouse. And finally, one of them said, what is this anyway? So dumb. And I said, even though that mouse moves around, he's going in a circle. He's moving but he's not getting anywhere. I said, that's what mice were born to do, not people. So get off that, get off that road of insanity. Patterns and and limiting beliefs. Keep us stuck. Don't keep yourself so stuck. And it's easy to get stuck. Oh, it is. I do. You know, people, you know, it's, it's, I hate being stuck. I hate, when things aren't stressful and chaotic in my life, <laughs> I get nervous. Okay, I do. It doesn't feel right. I work best under pressure. I work best with challenge. 
I work best when people say no, because when you say no, it means I'm going to go. And why are you saying no? Because I am going to find out. If you're not going to give me the answer, somebody else is. Unfortunately, yeah. I was so desperate to get services for my children. I had to be that way. Yeah. Some I, people I call you. me sassy. Some people say that I'm over the top. Well, guess what? Don't care. <laughs> I had to be. Yeah. To yeah. I, I, yeah. And I'm sure people have said that about you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's. It, I don't care. Yeah, I've stopped. Well, for the most part, caring about any of that. You, you, you have to do just like, what you, what you have to do. I mean, if you're surviving and you're in that critical time where every, you know, people say one day at a time, sometimes it's one breath at a time. One, mo one second. Yeah. One, breath. one second, one moment, one step, you know, and to me, I was grew, I grew up in a militant family with a Portuguese descent where wow. my father would say, don't be satisfied right here. Most people will be satisfied. Go here. So to me, I want to run up the stairs or, or just take three steps and be up the stairs. And I was moving fast and I was always moving, but I really wasn't making any change. So sometimes, you know, when you were brought, when you were, my father told, used to say this growing up, some people, you know, some people are waiters. Some people wait for things to happen and some people make things happen. But what I had to learn, sometimes you have to wait to True. make things happen, right? I was True. always That's making things happen, but sometimes if it's not in your cards or in your genetics to wait, sometimes you have to listen and wait for the right timing, which was hard for me. Because I was that, always a doer. Ready to go, ready to get it done. Yep. I relate to that. God put my sickness oh, in for my sure. life for that reason. Yeah. And I always use that. If I hadn't gone through that, I would Pretty never much. be the person who I am today. That's kind of like what this I've tried to transition this podcast to be about. Like most of my guests have had those experiences, those transformational experiences that, you know, shook them out of their comfort their zone. Comfort zone and changed everything. And myself included. And it's just, I can't be grateful enough for that. You know, I just can't. And if you think about it, but I never would have wanted it. Let's just say you 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 were not, you know, it's funny because I've had good friends and, and family members who were diagnosed with terminal cancer and some of them are still living with it. But think about people say, oh, everybody dies from something, you know? Yeah, it, there's a difference between dying and suffering, right? So when I think about living, I, I've been doing this little, you know, exercise with myself. If I knew my expiration date, mm. Whether it be six years or today, uh, 16 months, six days, six hours, six minutes. Okay. What would be, and I'm not about legacies because I'm not that vain, but what would I do that I haven't been doing because I made excuses for it? And what do I feel that is important that I want to do that I haven't done? 
Okay. So I, I've been asking myself that. So think about a deadline because we do great under pressure. When we got that IEP meeting in the morning, you start finding all those papers. You got to go through your filing cabinet, you start <laughs> looking through it, right? So think about if we lived our life that way for something that we want to do, whether it's writing a book or opening a business or you know, helping someone, whatever it is. Why do we have to wait until it's too late to really exercise what we were born to do? So sometimes, so sometimes I, you know, honestly, I want to be a teacher my whole life. Um, and I here I am are. now teaching. I'm teaching, right? So think of the ironic, the irony in that. I thought every pregnancy I had, I was going to have twins. I used to make jokes about it when I was really going to have, I was going to have twins and I was going to name them as a joke. I was, you know, young, I would say unique and Monique, you know, what are your kids name? Unique and Monique, you know, and people would laugh and, you know, and I thought about, you know, all these things that I prayed for, you know, and here I am, all those prayers have been answered, Mm. but I'm still asking for more, right. Instead of being great, gratification, have gratification for the things that I prayed for. And of course, because we have it now, we're not going to pray about it anymore. Right. Because it's just a given now it's part of my everyday routine, you know? So it's just, I've learned so many lessons and so many insightful things that I, I think because I have so much in my brain and so much information it's like I got a thousand tabs open. I hear you. Know, how we clean out our iPhones. I need to focus on, you know, one thing or two things in the in the storm. I'm always going to be in a storm, you know, but I've learned to be a palm tree. If you ever notice the palm trees, they they're right by the water. God made palm trees to be flexible and those things. Right. Then I'm just like crazy, that, yeah. Right. Yeah. So when you're flexible. You're going to bend. We get that kind of storms here. Guess what? Everything's going to be, you know, that north wind is coming. It's knocking those right out of the ground. So be flexible, but still take the time, even if it's five minutes of your day to do what you really want to do. Take that time to write, whether it's a children's book, whether it's, you know, talking to someone about a business adventure, you know, talk about making change instead of it being words, you know. Think about what that would look like if you put it to action, you know, and, you know, I think we just keep having these thoughts in our brain, but we never put them into words or we never put them into action because we don't know how to, but meeting other people like you, they might have a different, you know, different view on it. Right. It might not be exactly. They might have what you're, what, what you're, what you have missing. Maybe they have the business at, you know, aspect of it. Or they might have the people, maybe they know a celebrity that can kind of entertain this idea, you know, and you have this, you know, and, and you have to find the right people to plug in, you know, to have your team, yeah, you know, so that's where I'm at right now. Just building my, my team, my team looks more like, you know, the, the old game Stratego, right? The armor, you know, you're suiting up to, to be on the front lines. You know, mm, I same. always say that. I always say that to when I, when I, when I meet people, I've had some of the same friends for 25 plus years. 
And every once in a while I meet, including yourself, this amazing human that blows my socks off. And I say, that is the person that I want on the front line with me when shit hits the fan, right? Like soul family. Because you can have friends for 25 years plus that just, it's not because they don't love you or because they just have not had the experience. A different, a different path, a different experiences. And they don't have the shield. They're not ready for the fight. We've been, we've been wait, waiting and ready for the fight every day. Absolutely. You never know when your behavior child is going to behave, whether you're driving down that, you know, going to children's hospital and you're in that breakdown lane and your child is, my son has had a, ch- a seizure in that, oh, gosh. Lane, in that fast lane. I haven't had that experience. were not very nice, you know? And you just want to educate everyone at that point and say, you never know what this person is going through and why they are acting that way, you know? So, you know, so it, it's just such a good feeling to know that there are people out there who've had the same experience. And I, I watched your, I, I, I looked at your wall and, you know, I've read a lot of, you know, your, you know, what your challenges have been. It's and, been and, so, and, a little different than yours. I have to say, just, I think I got um, caught in a lot of personal trauma, you know, that kept me from really being able to be the advocate I could I could be having to process like deep, deep, uh, I'm not going to go into it on here, but it's really kind of been a challenge up until the last few years, just dealing but with isn't that. It, isn't it like focus on like, you know, when we look at, you know, there's a, a pastor that I listen to and, you know, in the mirror that we see on the right side of us, it says the, the, the appearance of what we see looks smaller, Right on the rear view mirror, you know, right. it says that on the, on the bottom. Yes. Of our, yes. Yes. We're so busy looking at the rear view mirror True. at what happened. Okay. In the, the mirror here on the top, we're always looking over our shoulder, right. To see if there's anything, you know, instead of that big bus window that we have, that, that front view so is so much bigger and you know what, for whatever reason, we can say there's hundreds of reasons why we can't focus because we feel we didn't graduate. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we're, we weren't able to disconnect and unplug from that trauma. We want to know the answers. We want to know the whys. Right. That makes you who you are. But at some point in your life, it will happen. And then it's, once it happens, it's overwhelming because with me, it was the sickness. And I said, I kept living here. I was, I'll give you an example. I had the perfect boyfriend who discarded me and ghosted me one day. I lived my whole life thinking I wasn't smart enough, pretty enough, blah, blah, blah. He married a beautiful woman. He married, he got into this beautiful house. He had perfect kids. I said, why wasn't I good enough? 20 years later, I bump into him going through, he's going through it. You know why he didn't want me? I was ahead of him. I had already built a house. I had already finished school. I was grounded. My whole 
10 years of my life I wasted wondering why I wasn't good enough. Now I realize that it's not always the way it appears in that mirror, right? Yeah, so true. So true. And I wasted time trying to compete to be the person that he had married instead of the person that I was designed to be. And at the end, he wanted to kind of start off where we left off. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I think I was I was ahead of you there. I am so far ahead of you now, right? And not like in a cocky state, but no. intellectually, we would could never see have it. that. You could see it, yeah. We would never be able to have that. Isn't you know? that, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's whatever it is that's holding us back. And sometimes, yep. you know, it, it could be a lot of different things. And, and, and I say every day when I start feeling, you know, I call it, you know, the Monsters, Inc. movie? Oh, sure. You know, Randall, how he disappears and he he like when they start throwing the snowballs, he appears again. There's a part in that movie where I'll send you the trailer. He's 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 not he's invisible. And I feel like he sneaks up on, you know, this part of the movie. I feel like the negative sources that we feel Mm. from the other side, it's invisible, but we feel it and the feelings are real. And you have to identify that you know what it is. Once you identify what it is, you have to say, this is what's happening Right. right now. If you are not clear and if you are distracted, it's easily easy, easy to, to listen to that. that. So you have to be have good clarification and you have to have good clarity of being to be able to recognize. I'm pretty sure that people take their own life because of spiritual warfare. Absolutely. Not That's because what it of is. mental health, not because of depression. And I think I all, never, all that is on a certain level. It Spir- it's a spiritual battle. And, and, and we could have a whole show about that, you know, and. You have to learn, you know, and it's so sad because think about everybody could be crying out for help and we, we can cry out, we can ignore that and just like that, or we can just take that 20 seconds and just say, you know, your story seems similar. How can I help you? And that can change some, you know, I once bought a pair of boots for a homeless person. And now he's on top of the stage praising, you know, people who are homeless, you know? So it's just, and I didn't even remember that I had really for him. I didn't. And, you know, I was actually going to lunch with my lawyer and I was going through a divorce and he came up to me and he recognized me and I didn't recognize him because he was clean. You know, he was, you know, he was living out in the street and he asked me for three things, a tarp, water, and shoes. And, and I remember my lawyer looking at me and saying, what are you, you know, St. Teresa or something, you know, Mother Teresa. Right. And I, I had to like, kind of like remember. And, you know, then when I remembered, I said, wow, I never, I had left that church. I had gone to a different church and I never really thought about it. And here he was. And he said, you were part of why I am here. And he told me he got married and he, you know, works in the church and he shares his story and, you know, and, and it's funny because my, my lawyer that day got to learn more about me and that, you know, and I remember him going back to the office and I was feeling so stressed about the financial burden of hiring a lawyer. Mm. And he, he, he grabbed my folder 
and he put, you know, in writing, he put paid in full. And I looked at him and I says, what does that even mean? I know how I know to the penny how much I owed him. That and same thing kind of happened to me with my and he said lawyer. To me, yep. And he said to me, he says, you know what? He said, you're teaching me how to be more like him. So he said, I've gotten a little away from it because I didn't need him. And I said, you know, find him before you need him and keep him close, you know, and, you know, and you look at by you, by being so real and just being so honest and being vulnerable and being, having humiliation and being okay, you know, is going to help someone else feel more comfortable being who they are, you know, and I feel like we're going to do great things together. Yes. Yes. Let's wrap this. I'm going to wrap it up, but this has been like beautiful interview and just just so you know you I mean just so much so much feeling and spirit comes through you just what I I just beautiful yes I just feel blessed by hearing hearing this and talking to you so keep going it's been it's been great and like I said I am excited about connecting um with other people and um, yeah you know, just kind of getting to know you better. And, you know, immediately, you know, my zone is like, you know, I can help you, you know, and sometimes, you know, people, you know, something you might've experienced with your own situation, you know, right. that you've, you've graduated from, and now you're going to be used to help someone else, you know, and if we could just all be that way. Yes. You know, but we were raised to think that sh- sh- what stays in this house stays in this house you know so a true. lot of us our, our family my mother said to me don't tell anyone oh yeah about same. this this and that and I said you know what mom I'm telling everyone you know why because maybe <laughs> I'm gonna help someone yeah you know? and I think I still drive different- my parents nuts or my my mother and my family just because I keep oh. won't be quiet and that's what that's what we did back in the day you know and now we're just we're just letting it all out. And it's such a great thing just to let all that out and just be real. It is. Well, thank you so yes, much. Thank you so much. Time and much your love. energy as well. And we'll, yes, thank you. And we'll, we'll stay in we'll touch. Talk soon. Yeah. Have an amazing day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, Lisa. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep.